0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus.
1: For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org.
0: Awesome. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Great worship. Thank you so much, Carrie and team. So as you guys uh, have probably noticed, based on the colorful wall at the back, we are in the middle of our Serve Sundays. And if you're new here, this is the, the time of year that we recruit uh, for all the teams that make Sunday mornings happen here at New Day Community Church. For example, you know, in order for us to have children's ministry, in order for us to be able to drink coffee and see lyrics on, on the screen, it is because people from our congregation volunteer their time to make that stuff happen. And as you may or may not know, I oversee the children's ministry. And I just want to take um, a minute to publicly thank all the Sunday school teachers and the nursery volunteers, the check in people. Yeah, thank you guys so very, very much. Now, it takes, it takes a lot of work to, to make Sunday school happen every single week. And this has been probably the, the most successful year in in my years of overseeing children's ministry. The team has done just a phenomenal job, so just really appreciate that. And um, so I don't need to uh, come up here and try to strong-arm people into serving on Sunday mornings because we have one of the most faithfully serving congregations that I have uh, ever known or have heard of. I, as you may know, I go up to Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, and I talk to a lot of people that work at churches, and when I tell them that over 80% of our, our congregation members, our regular attenders, faithfully serve on Sunday morning teams, they are blown away. You know, this is not the norm in, in a lot of churches. So you guys are amazing. You guys have been doing a great job. Um, But it is our expectation here at at New Day that if you're a regular attender, you will uh, find a place to serve in the church. And this is because we think that serving is... um it's just basic Christianity, right, that we follow Christ's example by loving one another and serving one another. And we've been going through the book of First Peter, and we've seen over and over again that Peter calls the early church to do just this, to follow Christ's example, to endure whatever comes at them, and to humbly serve the family of believers. And he goes on uh, to talk about Christ uh, and following Christ um, by laying right, our lives down, laying our rights down and serving well our brothers and our sisters to show Christ's love right to the, the world, everybody that is watching. And this church is a family and as a family we all come together and we each do our part to submit to one another. Aaron talked about submission a couple weeks ago, so very good. We submit to one another, we love one another and we just we, in, in humility, and grace, we follow Christ by doing that. And in 1 Peter 4.10, and I think Graham talked about this last week, uh, Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And so as you serve here at New Day, you're not just filling a role. You're not just a cog in the machine of, of New Day Community Church, but you're serving your church family, and you are serving Jesus Christ. And we all benefit as we learn to honor others uh, above ourselves. And just like a good relationship or a good marriage is built on, on mutual submission and looking for ways that we can bless and love our spouse or love our friends before looking to meet our own needs. We want to do the same thing here at church as we love each other. And last year, uh, a young man, maybe it was two years ago now that I think about it, doesn't matter, last year or two years ago, a young man came up to me that was going to sign up for the worship team, and he noticed that there were numerous holes left in in the children's ministry block of, of serve- Position And he said, hey, I was going to sign up for, for, for worship team, but I will lay that aside if you need me to, to serve in, in children's ministry. And I tell you what, I was blown away by that, because that doesn't happen very much, right? He was willing to, to humbly lay down maybe what he was comfortable with to step outside of his comfort zone and do something to serve this church, right? And so that is what we are all called to do to live humbly and follow christ in that same way you know and we just want to uh it knew they were just passionate, right, about everybody fulfilling their responsibility to serve the family. And this year, as we increase our focus on, on outreach and reaching our community with, with the good news, to have effective Sunday mornings is going to be even more important. You know, as we expect to see a greater number of visitors, and we just want to see those people stick and those people find a place where they're loved and where they're accepted, where they find friendship and where they're able to encounter God. And hopefully, these people. We'll, you know If people come that don't know Jesus, they will give their life to Jesus. That is what we're all about here at New Day. So I encourage you um, to, to sign up and to maybe step outside your comfort zone and, and look for the need, not just where you feel comfortable. Amen. So serve. Sign up. Amen. And with that, I'm going to now introduce young Aaron Mueller to, give, to bring the word to wrap up for Peter. Pray for you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So, Father God, we just thank you for Aaron. God, we thank you for the word that you have put on his heart this morning. God, we just pray that you would just bless him as he as he shares that with us today, God, and just bless our hearts to to receive what you have for each one. In your name, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Mark. All right,
1: my slideshow is good to go, so let's do this. I want you all to take a moment and picture in your mind a lion. I'm serious. What's the first image that comes to your mind when you think of a lion? Everyone got an image? You got a picture? Yes? Yes. Yes. Nods? Yes. If you're anything like me, you may picture something like this. (laughs) You may picture something more like this. Or maybe you picture something like
0: this.
1: (laughs) Whatever the case, maybe some of us tend to think of lions as cute, cuddly and very unthreatening. Especially the last picture, my right. Sorry about that. Full disclosure, I'm not a Lions fan, I'm a Bears fan, so I'm going to make a couple more jokes along the way, just be prepared for that. But in reality, when you think about it, Lions are really more like this, right? Lions, 300 to 500 pound predators, a bite strength about six times that of a human being, Wikipedia tells me. <laughs> you got really big, sharp teeth, and that we're just gonna sit on that gif for a while, or gif, whatever, however you wanna pronounce that. You believe it's a gif? Yeah. Okay. It's a gif. <laughs> I started a fight already. All right. I think in America though, sometimes we don't really understand. How, just how dangerous a lion really is, right? We, when we think of a lion, sometimes, at least for myself, I think of cute, cuddly, furry Simba, very unthreatening. Um, and really the only time we have interactions with a lion is behind glass at the zoo, very unthreatening, or at Ford Field, where those lions are more than accommodating to all opponents, am I right? Sorry, Lions fan. I'm not even two minutes in my message. I'm already harping on all of you Lions fans. All right. Um, And just how we have domesticated lions in our minds, I think sometimes we tend to domesticate our eternal enemy, Satan, in our minds. He's not that bad. He's not that evil. He's not that threatening or dangerous. I can toy with him. I can flirt with him a little bit. But 1 Peter chapter 5 has this to say about Satan. It says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Not looking for someone to push down gently and help them back up, but looking for someone that they can destroy. Completely destroy. Um, This in no way was a gentle warning. This is a matter of life or death, Peter is suggesting to us. This devil guy is pretty dangerous, is what Peter is saying. A roaring lion looking to devour. If you were to go on a safari, they would give you two rules. If you were to go on a safari, they would tell you, listen to and obey the tour guide, and keep yourself in the vehicle at all times. The reason why you need to stay in the vehicle is because when you're inside the vehicle, you are associated with this large metal object, and lions do not associate vehicles with humans or food. So as long as you keep yourself in that vehicle, like these people are, you see that it's an open vehicle, they're perfectly fine. Look how close they are to the lions. You can get that close in a lot of, in a lot of safaris. Um, but the moment that you put your, your arm, extend your arm out of the, the vehicle to take a picture or put your head out of the vehicle, you are no longer associated with this large metal object. You are now a weak individual. And you're about to become Meow Mix or Lion's Lunch. (laughs) It's no joke. They they, they They take that very seriously on a safari. In the same way, spiritually, I think we can make a comparison. If we stay in community, if we stay in the safety of community, if we stay under strong spiritual leadership, strong church leadership, We can stay safe from any attack from the enemy. That's a good word. We are stronger together. That's the message of 1 Peter chapter 5. That is the um, the chapter we're going to be looking at today. We are wrapping up our series called The Struggle is Real. We're going through the book of 1 Peter. And this book has been all about how to live well in community when we are faced with all kinds of struggles and adversity. It's been really good. I've really enjoyed this series, just going through it line by line. Today we're looking at the last chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5, and in this chapter we are given some safety tips for living in a world where Satan is on the prowl. We're given some safety tips about um, how to live well in community, how to live well in community so that we can stay safe from an enemy who's lurking about and has one thing in mind, to, to well, three things in mind, to steal, kill, and destroy, as it says in John chapter 10, verse 10. Now I know this may be confusing for some of you, Especially those of you who are Detroit Lions fans who know that the Lions come to give, lose, and self-destruct.
0: But in reality,
1: the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is my last Detroit Lions joke, I promise. We're done. Alright, 1 Peter chapter 5 gives us five different safety tips for avoiding being destroyed by our eternal enemy, Satan. Satan. The first is to seek strong spiritual leaders. The second is to stay submitted. The third is to have humility. The fourth is to stay sober. And the last one, number five, we're going to go through all of these, if my clicker works, is to hold to hope. Wow. So these are the five that we'll be looking through today. Let's kick it off with 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to try to read from here. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. All right, here, Peter is appealing to the elders of the church. This is especially applicable to those who are pastors. um, But it also applies to any of you who are in church leadership. So pay close attention. Even if you're not in church leadership, I encourage you to pay close attention to this part. Because if you stick around here long enough, <laughs> chances are you to find yourself in some capacity of leadership. I promise you that. Because it's part of our mission. Loving, learning, and leading. Leading's a big part of it. Good one. Thank you. <laughs> Bonus founding points from Mark Morris. Peter tells the leaders to be shepherds. I think this is an interesting comparison. Leaders and shepherds it. Lead- Peter didn't tell them to be generals or to be kings or commanders. I like those words for leaders. I can can get behind that. But a shepherd, I have a little bit more trouble getting behind that as as what I'm called to be. All right? This was a call to humility. It was a call to service. The job of a shepherd was not one of great recognition. It was not going to earn you great wealth. It was not going to earn you fame. Shepherds were tasked with caring for the sheep at all times of the day and night, in all kinds of weather, fighting off lions and bears, hordes of thieves, this was their job, to lay down their lives for the sake of the flock. That is what a pastor is called to do, Peter tells us. Peter goes on to tell these leaders not to lead because you must, or out of obligation, but to lead willingly. That's important. To do it because you're Passionate about it. Do it because you're called to do it. We need church leaders who are serving willingly out of a passion to serve and a passion to protect. I watched a program recently on CNN about people losing their faith. One of these people that they profiled was a pastor who had completely lost his faith. He no longer believed the scriptures, he no longer had a relationship with the Lord, but he continued to pastor his church. The reason why he did that, he said, was um, because he didn't know what else to do. He had no other means to support himself or his family. Um, so he continued to pastor. And his job security became more, than his, more important than his flock security. And that was like leading sheep to the slaughter. Whoa. I can't think of anything much more dangerous than being in a church where the church leadership is only there out of obligation. Peter is giving us a warning here to seek out a church like ours, I believe, that has awesome church leaders who are doing it out of a passion. I know this. They have a passion for serving, a passion for protecting. Peter goes on to tell leaders not to minister for dishonest gain, not to do it out of a desire for fame or for wealth. This is an important message, not only for church leaders, but also for everyone in the church, to seek out spiritual leadership in your life that is not in it for the wrong reasons. I'm sorry, this is my next slide. I'm trying to keep it simple, because I tend to forget to hit the clicker. I made it really simple this time, and I'm already forgetting. We're on Seek Strong Spiritual Leaders. So don't go to a church where money, resources, or fame has become more important than Jesus. If money or flashing lights or a big facility or the number of the church's Twitter followers becomes their God, you are no longer in a place of of spiritual safeness. Because those things do not provide safety. The Lord provides safety, and he often does that through faithful leadership. Amen? Is this making sense? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So as I was preparing for this message, I, I Googled... Lion attacks. Just put that in my Google search, lion attacks. Not the best idea if you have a queasy stomach, (laughs) because that Google image search is right at the top, and you see some stuff you probably don't want to see. But as I continued to scroll down, I found a news article that came out recently about this American woman who was a tourist. Uh, She was on a tour of a lion park in South Africa. I don't know if any of you guys saw this. And there were signs everywhere in this lion park to keep your windows up. This is the type of lion park where it was really important to keep your windows up. And I don't know if the woman didn't see the signs or whatnot, but she just lowered her windows so she could get a better picture. She started taking pictures. And um, soon enough, a lion started approaching. And there were witnesses nearby who saw this lion approaching. They started laying on their horns, issuing a warning to look out. And the, um, the tour guide either didn't notice or didn't care. The window remained down, and I think you know where this is going. The lion came in, uh, attacked through the window, mauled the woman, and killed her. Yeah. It's a true story. It was in the news. It <laughs> has to be true, right? <laughs> we need spiritual leaders who obey warnings in Scripture, who guide us towards safety. Get in a church where, where, the, where there are strong spiritual leaders like this, and you will be safe. Making sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like cool. Thank you. Moving on. It's not enough just to have good spiritual leadership. We need to be submitted to that leadership. That's good. You can have all the best leaders in the world, but if you're not submitted, you're not going to be safe. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to, the, to your elders. I think this can also mean an elder in terms of one who has wisdom beyond their years, but most often I think it does mean those who are older than you because they Tend to know more. They've had more experience with the Lord. There is safety in submission. Those who have authority can speak into our lives. They can give us encouragement. They can give us biblical advice, wisdom, comfort. They can do all these things if we are submitted to them, if we allow them to, if we're in relationship with them. How many of you guys here are being discipled by someone? You don't have to raise your hands. It's a bad idea. Just think about it in your head. How many of you are being discipled by someone? That's a good question to ask yourselves. Are you under spiritual authority? This word submit means to put yourself under the authority, under the authority of another. That's an important thing to do. We talked about submission a few weeks ago. um, Submission to the government and in the workplace, in our marriages. But submission to spiritual authority is also very important. It means honoring and obeying your spiritual leaders. Now, if you have a spiritual leader who tells you to do something that is clearly against Scripture or against a command from God, clearly you obey Scripture, you obey God. But I think the, the, devol- the default setting for us is to be in obedience to our spiritual leaders. Make sense? Yeah. Awesome. And I know this firsthand because in college I went through a season in my life where I was not under spiritual authority. This was because I couldn't find, or I refused to find, a church. Um, I was church hopping a lot. I couldn't find one where I felt comfortable. And because of that, I was not under spiritual authority. Because of that, I noticed myself feeling distant from God. I noticed myself, now looking back on it, I had some weird theology. Um, Looking back on it, I know that I was more susceptible to attacks from the enemy. I wasn't spiritually safe. Um, But by the grace of God, after graduation, I ended up back here at New Day Community Church and got under some really strong spiritual leaders that spoke into my life and I was in a good place again. And it was good good that it happened when it did, because shortly after this um, I went through a really hard season in my life. I had three really close friends pass away in a a very short amount of time. They were all in their 20s or 30s. All their deaths were completely unexpected. And I was reeling. It was tough. I could have easily spiraled into a depression. I could have easily turned to worldly vices like alcohol or something like that. But because I really believe this, because I was in community, because I was under strong spiritual leadership, those things didn't happen. Because I had a relationship with strong spiritual leaders, they had the permission and the power to speak words of encouragement in my life. To speak words of wisdom in my life. To speak words of comfort to me. It's so important um, to have that. And it brings us safety. This didn't mean that my life was in any way easy. It was incredibly hard. It was an attack from a roaring lion. But I didn't become a casualty. And the scars that remained reminded me of just how powerful my God is. And just how powerful the being in submission to church leadership is. Oh,
0: good. Good.
1: All right. Uh, is this making sense so far? Good. Let's move, keep moving on. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. This is about humility. And it says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. In due time cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you this is good stuff Peter here tells us to clothe ourselves in humility humility to put it on as if it were a jacket I like to think of it more as if it were a cape because <laughs> humility gives us superpowers right God gives grace to the humble this also can be translated God gives favor to the humble God gives you strength when you are weak, when you are in humility. He gives you joy when you're going through difficult times when you are in humility. But what does it say about those who are proud, those who are prideful? It says God opposes them. This is strong language. Let me find that language. The Greek word, antitaso, means to battle against or to resist. This is strong language. If you are prideful... You have set yourself up squarely in the enemy's camp, and he will resist you. And what I've found a lot of times, at least for, in my life and people around me, that we, if we're not humble, we'll be humiliated. And sometimes that brings us into humility. Sometimes we're allowed to be humiliated, so it brings humility. Making sense? Yes. Peter goes on to say. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is said in the context of talking about humility. Think about that. Within each one of us, there is an anxiety about humility. Yeah. Right? There's a fear of humility. Sometimes, not, for some people, you just say the word humility and it gives them the heebie-jeebies. Alright? It's almost a swear word. Because it means that Well, humility is threatening to my pride. It's threatening to my control. And that's a good thing. It's a really good thing. So what does Peter tell us to do? He tells us to cast this anxiety of humility onto God. If you're anxious about humility, if you fear humility, we are to cast it upon the Lord. How do we do this? How do we cast our humility on, or cast our anxiety on the Lord. Well, the back half of this verse says, because he cares for you. That's a, that's a, that's a huge key to humility. When we, when we trust that we have a good, loving Father who cares for us, humility becomes easier. Mm-hmm. When we are confident in our Father and that he is going to take care of us, that frees us up to take our focus off of ourselves and our issues and put it back onto others. Humility that isn't rooted in trust is false humility, also known as pride. Humility that isn't rooted in trust in the Lord is false humility, also known as pride. There's the clicker. We're on half humility. This is really bad. Um, When we put our trust in our... When we trust that God is in control, we no longer have to worry about our needs, our desires, our plans. He's got that. That's a great place to be. Great place to be in humility. But just as Peter tells us not to worry, just as Peter tells us that everything's going to be okay, you can cast your anxieties on the Lord, just be humble, he goes on to issue a warning to stay sober, to stay alert. Let's read this. this am I going too fast? Is that is well, no, all working good? Awesome. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Peter tells us to be alert. He tells us to be sober. How many of you have been around someone who's not sober, who's intoxicated or under the influence? One, two hands. You guys are very holy (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to ask you how many of you have been under the influence. Um, but it's not just talking about being under the influence of drugs or alcohol. I'm getting ahead of myself. What is it like when someone's under the influence of drugs or al- alcohol? Their senses are dulled, their reaction times are slower, common sense goes out the window, right? Can you imagine being confronted by a roaring lion when you are completely wasted? Reality is skewed. You think, I can take this lion. You probably don't even realize the danger that is staring you down. Sometimes we get so drunk on sin, offense, anger, impatience, jealousy, name it, that we don't realize that the enemy is staring you down, that he has a foothold in your life. Offense, anger, believing lies about yourself, believing lies about other people, jealousy. All these things can be dangerous, just as dangerous as any drug or any amount of alcohol. When I'm under the influence of anger, I do and say things that are not me. We don't tend to say or do things that will hurt our marriages or hurt our friendships when we are sober of mind. But if we are the, under the influence of something, if we are under the influence of anger or rage or something else, that's when we do things that cause our relationships and our friendships and our church to self-destruct. Stay sober. You would never come into church under the influence of alcohol. We wouldn't think of it. If you're honest with yourself, have you, been, have you come into church under the influence of something else? Pride? Anger, bitterness, jealousy. I think we've all been there. When we enter into the church while intoxicated, there is often a hangover that comes with it. It's a hangover of damaged relationships, distrust, and division. The hangover is damaged relationships, distrust, and division. And the only cure for that hangover is humility. Good. When we say, when we own up to our mistakes, hey, I said something that I didn't, that I shouldn't have said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Being in that place of humility. Then the other person being in a place of humility and saying, you know what? I receive your apology, I forgive you, let's move on. That's, that's, that's humility and that's staying sober of mind. There's going to be times where these things creep into our lives. We have to stay sober, we have to stay humble. Making sense? Yes. A little dose of humility can go a long way in keeping us sober to begin with. Remember, humility is rooted in trust. If I trust that God loves me, if I trust that God is in control of my life, I don't need to worry about jealousy. I don't need to worry about comparing myself to others, and that keeps me sober. Trusting in the Lord, having humility, keeps us sober of mind, keeps us safe from attacks of the enemy. Peter also says to be alert. We need to be alert of the enemy's tactics. We have to be alert of his mission. His mission is to destroy you individually, and his mission is to destroy the church as a whole. The enemy's strategy in this is always to bring division and isolation. To bring division in the church and isolation. If he can bring division in the church, if he can isolate isolate people from community, then he is in a position to attack. Remember, he's compared to a lion. Lions are very stealthy hunters. They hunt by stalking their prey, studying their prey, knowing their tendencies, and sneaking up on them when they are alone and vulnerable and weak. Satan works in similar ways. He stalks us, learns what offends us, learns what irks us, then he comes in and he attacks when we are weak and we are isolated. Let me give you a for instance. Maybe I really want to teach in Sunday school. I really want to teach Sunday school. I come up to Pastor Mark.
0: There's an opening. That's really (laughs) (laughs) good news. This is a hypothetical, Mark.
1: Uh Oh. I come up to Mark and I say, I want to work hypothetically in the children's ministry. (laughs) And Mark says, "Um, you know, Aaron, I love you. You're doing a great job in what you're doing right now. But I just don't think you're quite ready for that responsibility. Let's take a year. I'll train you. And then in a year, we can talk about it. Let's say he says that. But instead of me just receiving that, the enemy comes in and he brings up stuff in my past. Maybe my my parents said things to me in the past that held me back from doing things I wanted to do. So that begins to to stir up bitterness in my heart and I begin thinking bad things about Pastor Mark. I start thinking, he's not that great of a leader. He doesn't recognize the talents and gifts that I have. This is all untrue. (laughs) But they are lies from the enemy, right? And I begin to believe them. And then I'm in a place of weakness, and the enemy just subtly says, why don't you just give up? Yeah. Why don't you just give up? And whether I leave the church or not, I've already isolated myself from community, and I'm in a place vulnerable for, for an attack of the enemy. He can come and destroy my spiritual life when I'm in that place. Yes. Yeah. Does it make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good.
1: Okay. I'm give you another example. Um, Maybe I'm working on the coffee team at church. And Bill, I'll pick on Bill now. He comes up to me over at the coffee team, takes a sip of this awesome cup of joe I just made, and he says, Aaron, you are really good on the coffee team. Thank you for serving. This coffee's amazing. That's how you do it. That's how you do it right there. (laughs) But, Uh there's a but. Rather than receiving this compliment, I allow Satan to start whispering things in my mind. Is that all Bill sees you at? Glorified
0: barista? <laughs> that's all you—that's
1: all you mean to this church is serving up cup of Joe? You're so much more than that, Aaron. You're so much more than that. You should be doing this, this, and this. I'm in a place where I'm in a place of division. There is a wedge between me and Bill now that I've put up because of me believing the lies of the enemy and not having humility, not having, not being sober of mind. That is completely—that's complete drunkenness.
0: But how many of you have been there?
1: let's be honest, I have been there someone's saying a compliment to you and you receive it as if it's not a compliment, it's actually a dig at you stay sober of mind, stay humble receive um, compliments when you're given them alright, where am I going with this the enemy will try to push you into isolation so he can destroy you that's his strategy when, when we pick up on that strategy it's easier to stay safe Peter goes on to tell us to resist the devil, to stand up to him. You know, if you're confronted by a lion, you're not supposed to run. Why are you not supposed to run? The lion's a lot faster than you and a lot stronger than you, and you're going to become young <laughs> What What experts tell you to do is to stand your ground and make yourself look bigger and more threatening. Put your arms in the air. That's what they tell you to do. How do you do that to Satan? How do you stand up to Satan, um, stand your ground, and appear bigger? But when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, when you are standing on Scripture, when you are standing on the Word of God, when you are backed up by a spiritual community, when you're under authority of spiritual leaders, you appear a whole lot bigger than you really are by yourself. That's so so important for us to to realize these things. Um, Where am I going? I went off on a tangent.
0: tangent. That was a
1: good tangent. Stay big. Stay sober. Alright. The last one. Perfect timing, Peter. Thank you. The last one is to have hope, to hold to hope. Let's read verses 10 and 11. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the glory forever and ever, amen. This is a call to remember God's promises to you. It's a call to remember that we have an eternal glory waiting for us. It's a call to remember that even though we have present suffering, He will restore us. He will make us strong, firm, steadfast. These are promises in God's word. So Peter issues a call to not lose hope, to hang on to hope. That God will accomplish something from your suffering. That he will make us stronger as we endure attacks from the enemy. No matter what trial you are currently facing. I don't know where you guys are at, what level of suffering you are facing right now. But no matter what suffering you are facing, no matter what suffering in the future that you will endure, we can be confident that we have an eternal glory waiting for us. We have a hope that these afflictions are not meaningless. They are meaningful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, listen carefully. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Whether it's a diagnosis or a dying family member, whether it's losing your job or losing a loved one, whether it's discouragement or a deep depression, it's not meaningless. It's not. Mo- it's not pointless. It is working in you. It is doing something in you. It is giving you a weight of eternal glory. And even though it feels, it feels overwhelming in the moment, it is light in comparison to the glory that waits for us. It is so light. It's like having a shot. If someone were to min- administer a shot and say, "You'll never get a sick again if you take this shot." And it's just a quick moment, a prick, and then you're never going to get sick again. You take it, right? This is what we're called to. We may suffer in the moment, but we're promised a glorious ending. That's why we call this message, in the end we win. There is hope that we win. And that's what Peter leaves us with. This whole book has been how how to live well in community when we face struggles, when we face adversity. Those things are coming. But what Peter leaves us with is hope. Peter concludes this huge message with not to lose hope. To know that our glory in Christ Jesus far outweighs our present sufferings. Just to close out, if we want to keep ourselves safe in this life where Satan has some amount of power, we've got to do a few things. We have to stay submitted. We have to stay humble, sober, and hopeful. Submitted, humble, sober, hopeful. shh. shh. What it is? S-H-S-H. SH. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, I'm just going to close this in prayer now, and then mark them up. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the hope for the hope that you bring. We're thankful that this present suffering is so small in comparison to the glory that waits for us in heaven, that waits for us um, in, in knowing you fully and more. So, Father, we pray that you make us into people that are submitted to authority, that are humble, that are clothed in humility, that are sober of mind, that are hopeful about the future, and that we would not lose heart in fighting off the enemy, that we'd be able to resist Satan. And God, I thank you for this church that's already so good at this. We're great at this. God, I pray that we we keep ourselves alert, keep ourselves sober of mind, to continue to follow you well, no matter what comes our way. So good. I mean, I'm so thankful to be in a community that's as safe as this. Thank you for that, God. We pray for your continued protection over these people. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, we're going to have Bill come up to close us out.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, give him my hand.
1: That was awesome.